Hey moms, welcome to the Gather Moms podcast. My name is Kate. And I'm Rebecca. We've created this space just for you because we're both moms and we get you. Yes, we believe there truly ain't no hood like the motherhood and we need to be in this together. We also believe we can't mom well without Jesus. So you're going to hear us talk about him too. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Gather Moms and make sure to hit subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. All right, mamas, let's jump in. Hey moms, welcome to the Gather Moms podcast. We are on episode 127 and today I would like to welcome you to the Middle School Mothers Support Group. Let's go. We need Let's it. Let's help each other. <laughs> Here we are. If you are not there yet, girl, we about to give you some gold Yeah, because it's coming. If you are there and you need a hug, would you reach out? We'll come to your house. We'll yes. hug you. Yes. We'll get you through this. And if you're past this, would you please just like find joy in the stories we're about to tell? <laughs> And go, I remember that. Yeah. Um, middle school can be rough, right? Yes. So when you think back to your middle school years, do you remember anything specific? Hey, I mean, I just. Well, really? Okay. If I, could, if I could have skipped some period of my life, it would have been the middle school years. Now, okay, let me say it like this. In, in the area we live in, our middle school is just seventh and eighth. Uh, when I was growing up, we had elementary was kinder to four. And then we had like a fifth and sixth was like intermediate school. Yeah. And then seventh and eighth was what we called junior high. Yeah. Oh, God, junior high. That feels like an 80s movie. Yeah. <laughs> so my intermediate school, my fifth and sixth grade years were pretty much fine uh, because we were still pretty young. That was when in sixth grade I got to be Clara and the Nutcracker. That was like <gasps> Oh, huge. that's a highlight. Yes. That yes. was a huge part of my growing up. Uh, that was the first time that I walked on stage and at the end when we did like the, you know, you come out to bow and everybody stood up, you know, to applause. And I was like this, I was made for this. Like this is, (laughs) you said my little mind was like, Lord, I would like to be on Broadway. And this happened multiple times in my life. We've got to figure it out because this is where I was meant to be. That was also the time though, in my sixth grade year when, it was like the last day of school before we headed out for the summer and I was sitting in a classroom and this little boy came over and he had been sent over as the representative for the group okay. to ask if I stuffed my bra. <gasps> he actually asked that? He did. And, you know, as a, what, 11, 12-year-old girl? Yes. You know, looking back, I wish, I wanted to be like, I wish, bro. I had punched him? Like, yes, like... All this stuff is natural, and it's. I know I'm ahead of everybody else, yes. and it's a lot. Yes. It's a lot for me to manage, and yes. I don't really need you out here calling it out. Oh, my God. He was the representative. So then, you know, they were all talking about it. Oh, terrible. That's terrible. Terrible. I was an early bloomer, and, you know, so that was tough. And then seventh and eighth grade, like, I just feel like there were lots of really, there were great things about it. I remember taking Texas history in seventh grade. I love Texas history. I remember um, cheating on a test in Texas history with one, one of my little friends. And we had a little signal worked out with like what A was. Like we touched our forehead if it was A, touched your nose if it was B. Did y'all have a slumber party to work that out? Because that's some planning. I don't know. But you it was get like your a real quick, to do like, that. yeah. 
Um, you know, we would just hold up like whatever number we were on and then whatever part of your face you touch, like that was the signal. Isn't that terrible? I would totally forget the signals and then I would be putting all the wrong answers. I think we just moved down the face. Like I really think it was like A, it was the forehead, B was the nose, C was the mouth, D was the chin. Okay. That's pretty smart. Yeah. Like simple, simple. to the point. Did you ace that test? I feel pretty good about it. It wasn't a hard class. I don't know why we did it. Yeah. You know, um, I remember wearing jabot jeans we've talked about this i don't think you ever wore those. i didn't wear jabot i don't even know what i know how to spell it now but i don't know <laughs> i don't know what they are and they were apparently too short because this little boy i like told me that i was wearing high waters rude i know the worst the boys are so mean to you uh, maybe that's, that's why just, you said hate <laughs> maybe that's just what stands out in my mind i had that's when like i started getting zits and yes. stuff yes 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 but I played volleyball, and I yeah. mean, there were lots of, like, really great stuff, but I just, it was so much to navigate. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a it lot. So much to navigate. What about you? So our middle school was 6th, 7th, and 8th. Okay. So great. I went straight into it, and what I was, when I was, you know, my memory, it's not great, but I yeah. took some time, you know, to ask the Holy Spirit to bring some things to mind. Okay. I had poodle bangs. Do you remember those? You would roll one back and one forward and then tease it. Tease it and then hairspray. And then hairspray. And then you would slick back a ponytail. So it was literally like you had a poodle on your What a look. What a look. I started wearing glasses. Okay. And they were super thick. And so I remember being really self-conscious about my glasses. And then we would roll our jeans, uh-huh. and then we would double layer our socks. Uh-huh, man. Do you remember that? Ma'am. Like bright colors, too. Like yeah. bright blue and bright pink and uh-huh. bright purple. And then in sixth grade, I just, I mean, Mama Judy and Daddy Steve, they let me have a boyfriend. I don't Ooh, even know what's happening. What? What in the world? They, that, that feels out of character. I don't think I asked. Okay. So... It just happened? It just happened. Okay. And of course, back then, there wasn't a cell phone or social media. Uh-huh. So relationships looked very different. Okay, yeah, You did sure. not see each other except right. at school. Yeah. And this was a new kid at our school. I was the first girl to be his girlfriend okay. at our new school. I broke up with him in between class with a note yeah. that I passed him in the hallway. And after that, he had many more girlfriends mm. at our mm. school. And so I do remember one dance where we all dedicated a song to him uh-huh. called All My Exes Live in Texas. Because <laughs> we were all his exes. Cute. I had a boyfriend that at, at first period we became boyfriend and girlfriend and by fifth period we were done. That's so fast. Isn't that hilarious? Yes. Did yes. you break up with him in fifth period? Yes. I think I was like, mm, this is not good. This makes me feel bad. Okay. Like. Like, I think, like, before school or something, I think maybe he had asked me. And then I think, like, by the time I saw him at lunch, I was like, no. this. What did he ask you? What were the words he used? Oh, I cannot remember that. No, I don't know. Okay, mine were, will you go with me? Yeah, that's what we used to say, that we were going out. Going. Yeah. You weren't going nowhere. No. No. You you went nowhere. Now they say you have a crush. I literally just had this with my middle schooler, seventh grader. We were in the car, and I was like, she was telling me, oh, someone just texted me and told me their crush. And I'm like, okay, tell me. Let's break this down. What does it mean when you have a crush? Like, what's step one? Yes. And she, like, walked me through it. Is there, like, a process? Well, you share know, with us. So I said, okay, you know, so she said, you know, so-and-so has a crush. And I was like, okay, well, what does that mean? And it means, well, okay, they kind of like, like each other or she likes him. And I said, okay, okay so what's the next step? She said, okay, well, then the next step is that once she gets brave enough, she'll tell us that 
we need to go ask him if he likes okay, her. Okay, send the posse. Got yeah. it. And then if you get a yes, then potentially like they become boyfriend girlfriend. So they may be they may sit next to each other at lunch. Yeah, okay. They may like like if they see each other, they hug. I'm sorry. Between clap, ma'am. What? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Why are we going straight to the hug? Um, and then they may like text each other, but okay. they, but then again, they're not like hanging out. It's no. not like you right. know. Um. So anyway, it was it was just really interesting for her to walk me through the process. But they don't say going out. They say they have a crush. Okay, it's different. Yeah. And my dad, I remember him vividly saying, "Well, where are y'all going? Uh-huh. You know, that's what dads do. <laughs> Nowhere. Yeah. We're just together." So I actually had a boyfriend. Through seventh and eighth grade, and uh, it was it got pretty serious. And we hung out together a lot. He would be at my house, or I'd be at his house, and you know. But like every Friday night, we all went to the movies. And like looking back now, because you have a seventh grader, what if she had a boyfriend that potentially she was going to date for the next two years, and he was going to hang out at your house on Friday night? How would you feel about that? No, it's a hard pass. Like one of the things I think about looking back on my life is I wish my parents would have been like ma'am, you're not emotionally ready for this kind of level of commitment. Right. But we thought we were big. Yes. You know, we thought we were grown. Like I had no idea that I wasn't ready for that. Because by the time that it became like a kind of a toxic relationship, so that by the time I was heading into ninth grade, I knew I needed to break up with him. And it was so hard. So hard. And I tried to break up with him several times before. But every time he would apologize be nice, make it better, make the change of whatever, and I would get sucked back in. What you're going, what changes are we making in 7th and 8th grade? Like, we're not fully developed humans yet. For sure, but like he, like, you know, he was hanging out with kids that were, I mean, honestly, Rebecca, I think in in like 8th grade, like, I think they were drinking and smoking pot. I, I think so. That's a big deal. Yeah, and I didn't fully know it wasn't until much later that I fully understood what they were doing. I just I had this spidey sense that he was up to something with his friends that I didn't feel good about type of thing. Was that the Holy Spirit? I mean, yes. <laughs> uh, okay, spidey sense equals Holy Spirit. But in my young little brain... I will never see the Holy Spirit the same again. <laughs> I will always see him with a spidey suit on now. I got it. I told you about the time that... He, and then he would just like, I don't know, he was just mischievous. Like, did I tell you about the time he was at a friend's house and he called me and he said, I can't hang out. And I heard a dog bark. Yes, I think I do remember that story. And I called back and I was like, I know where you are. It was just stuff like that. Yes. That was just like shady. Yes. You know? Yes. Anyway, it just, just with my kids, that's why we ride the brakes on this whole boyfriend, girlfriend thing. Because it's yeah. like, y'all, it's just, I, it's probably a waste of time. You know? I just yeah, I think it's something that adds one more layer to an already difficult yeah. season. Yeah. Where you don't fully know who you are. Yes. And it's really not a great idea to figure that out with another adolescent boy. No, and like I totally get like crushes and stuff, but our in our home, our big push is just toward groups. That it's always groups hanging out, that you're not siloing off the two of you. You know, that you can have a little somebody that, you know. Yes, crushes are fun, for sure. Yeah, and but we just kind of ride the brakes on letting that evolve too much before that they're ready for that. Yeah, no, I'm fully on board with that, too. Um, and I think it's interesting because we've had a kid go through middle school. I've had two kids go through middle school. They're both boys. I have a girl coming up, and I almost think I'm going to ride the brakes even harder yeah. when she gets there. Yeah. 
not that we didn't with the boys, but I think every kid's different. And I do think sometimes with girls, we're a little bit more like, uh, uh no. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, when dad's like, ain't no boy ever going to touch you. Uh-huh. Like, oh my gosh, if somebody hugged Abby in the hallway in middle school, I'd be like, get your hands off my daughter. I know. So funny. We were just having this conversation with uh, Caleb last night because he's interested in a girl and he's, but he's a sophomore in high school. And Jeremy's done a really good job of, he said, because we were talking about, you know, if if the girl's dad was in the room, you know, how would the dad feel about it type thing? And he was like, think about if it was Lydia, you know, when I was in the room. But then he looked at Lydia. I was really proud of him for doing this. He looked at Lydia and he said, but you don't need to worry about me being the one to intimidate boys. You are strong. You can be the one to say yeah, girl. yes or no. I love that. Yeah. Good so I was, job, really, dad. I was really proud of him because I, I pushed back against that whole you know, if the boys show up to the house, I've got a gun. Okay, fine. But why don't you raise a daughter in such a way that you don't need to have a gun? That's right. So. Yes. Yeah. Does she have her own gun? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, she is one confident little girl. And, and I, I, you know, we'll see. We'll start navigating those waters at some point. But Oh, it's coming. It's right coming now, for all of us. Yeah. So that's, that's the thing, moms. We're all going to go through this. We're all going to have a kid in middle school. I do think times have changed and will continue to change. Mm. So if you've got a three-year-old right now, middle school may even look different. Yeah. You know, it looked different for us. I really think the pressures are the same, the sense of wanting to be accepted and loved, mm. uh, just the idea of having a boyfriend, someone to like you. I just think the environment's different. Yeah. There's way more um, communication now than we yeah. had with yeah. social media and texting I do think that the school environment has changed yeah. from what it was. There's not as much authority. Yeah. There's not as many rules and regulations. People do more stuff. And so I do think times are changing. So, you know, what we talk about today, I want you to take and I want you to put that in your heart and then let the Holy Spirit lead you yeah. with how he wants you to play that out in your home. And honestly, I feel really strongly about this. I was studying uh, in my Bible last week. The Lord gave this word to me that I'm going to share with you guys today. It's kind of heavy. But I just, I think because of the way our world is right now and what's happening, it's so important. And I really want us to just take a deep dive today to look at what it means to be spiritual mentors for our kids. Mm. Because all the seasons are fun, but guys, there comes a point where it it's so important. You cannot pass. You cannot get a hall pass on middle school and go, they'll be fine. Mm. I'll re-enter in high school. Mm. Or... Well, they just need to spread their wings and figure it out on their own. Mm. I just don't think when God gave us babies that that was his plan. I really believe that just as he is our spiritual father and continues to discipline us as adults, that we are their spiritual mothers and fathers, and we have a role to play in that. And so I've been reading through Exodus the past few months. One of my favorite books, every time I read it, it becomes more of my favorite. Mm. Because Moses is my friend. Yeah. I love him. Yeah. He's such a kindred spirit to moms. Um, He had two boys of his own, but bless him, he had two million teenagers, Uh too. (laughs) He was taken through the desert for Uh 40 years. So I honestly believe that Moses loves us so much. We see you, Moses, in heaven. We're going to have coffee one day. But if you read the entirety of the story of the Israelites wandering, then you know that they were a stubborn, rebellious, whiny group of people. Yeah. Kind of sounds like middle schoolers. Uh-huh, yeah. And I would love to point the finger at them and say, God, I cannot believe they acted like that. But I really feel like I act like that yeah. in my life. Yeah. I mean, I'm 100% sure I was one of them and could be. And they had a rough go of it. I do not want that story. No, thank you. I don't want to live in a tent. I don't want to eat manna every day. The same. Can you imagine no. eating the same thing every day? No, no. I mean, 
or uh, 40 years. Where do you go to the bathroom? The where do you bathe? Where oh. do you? Oh. Uh, I can't do it. Yeah. So praise the Lord for 2023. But they also saw miracles of God that I would love to see. Yeah. Wouldn't you love to see the Red Sea being uh-huh. parted? Uh-huh. Wouldn't you love to wake up every morning and there be food? Yeah. Right there in front of you. Wouldn't you love to stand at the bottom of that mountain and see the cloud descend uh-huh. and God's presence come down? Uh-huh. They saw firsthand amazing stuff. Yeah. But throughout their experience, they continued to doubt God. Yeah. And they antagonized him. Antagonize means to oppose. Uh-huh. I think this is a good description for middle schoolers. They oppose us. And it's not all like mean-spirited. Part of it is just the idea that they are trying to grow into who they are. There are more freedoms. There's a new rhythm to life. They're trying to navigate it along with all these other adolescents. And so the antagonizing that they give us is sometimes just the the stretching of their wings. Mm-hmm. You know, what can I get away with? Uh-huh. How much can I push? Are my parents really going to care about this thing? So our kids are experiencing so much at once that we as parents often throw, you know, like all the words at them. Mm. I remember my dad, he would talk so much, (laughs) you know, like they would sit you down and have this like really big talk yeah, and you would zone out after the first two minutes. Uh And so now one of the uh, mentors in my life at one point said, you have like, like, I don't know, 20 words before Mm -hmm. they're done. So you got to make sure that the first 20 are really good yeah, because they may not listen to the next 100. Yeah. They just, they don't have that, you know, they're not hanging on every word that we're saying. Yeah. And so as they're stretching their minds and their will and they're opposing us because they don't want to just do what we say, I see so much of the Israelites and middle schoolers in this same season. Yeah, You know, they've seen the miracles of God, but yet they oppose God. Mm. God continues to provide for them, but they continue to say it's not enough. Yeah. And that's what happens. It happens in my own life as an adult too. I mean, I am no different than that. I have seen, now that I've lived 44 years, I have seen some miracles of God. Mm-hmm. And I do doubt still. <laughs> yeah. And I do question still. Yeah. And I do whine. Yeah. I throw my own little tantrums. So whether we know it or not, I think that our middle schoolers think that they want us out of the way. Kind of the Israelites were like, get out of the way, God. But we as their parents have to decide that we're not going to get out of the way. Yeah, and and it's that it's a little bit of a push and pull with them, right? Because there's still that little kid in them. And it sounds a lot like the Israelites too, where it's like, I want you out of the way, but yet I still really need you. Exactly. And I think that's where we as parents become that safe place. Mm. Because there are other people in their life, even friends, that when they push, the friend's done. They're going to go find another friend. Yeah. But we as their parents want to say, go ahead and push, yeah. but I'm not going anywhere. Yeah. And that's what God did with the Israelites. They pushed and pushed. And guess what? God was there and there and leaned in and leaned in. Mm. So what's really happening in middle school for these sweet little babies that their bodies are changing, they're growing up, they're getting taller, their hair is changing, they're getting acne. Mm -hmm. Well, elementary was easy, somewhat easy, but also manageable. And I feel like when you get to middle school, it's like a new load is placed on you and you have to relearn how to manage. All the classes, all the activities, you know, in elementary school, if you like tried something and it didn't work out, I don't think it was as big of a deal. The consequences were lower. But then like, think about middle school, even for Lydia, you try out for a sports team. If you don't make it, you have to sit and watch for the next three months. All these people play this thing that you don't play. The consequences are bigger. It feels heavier. 
academics, they're changing classes, they've got more homework, they're having to learn new stuff, new schedules. New people. New people, the bigger social scene. There's so many new personalities involved where I where I felt like in elementary I had somewhat of a grasp on like who was in their school, who they were around, who they gravitated toward, who they liked to stay away from. And then you get thrown into this whole new pool of kids and I'm like, okay, wait, who are they? Okay, okay, you know? Yes. So, And I love what you said earlier about I mean, I'm so sad that that little boy asked you that question about stuffing your bra, but this is where middle school, some kids start to mature faster. Right. And some don't. And so I I think it's so interesting when you look kind of at the breadth of middle school, you see some kids that still look like sixth graders and some that look like freshmen Uh because they've grown so fast. Their Uh bodies are changing. And I think that's so hard for them. You don't want to stand out enough that you get kind of targeted or bullied, but you don't want to be so far behind that you feel like small and insignificant. Yep. It's this real battle of trying to figure out. And you can't control that. Like puberty and hormones, you don't get to control that. That's right. So you're just going along with the way that your body's developing. It's so hard. So, so hard. I also think they need more sleep. Mm. I was looking at a study the other day about, I think it's like nine to ten hours of sleep a night. Wow. None of my kids get no, that. No, And as you get older and you have more activities and you have sports games that go late... Nobody is sleeping as much as they should. Yeah. So I wonder if like half the time our teenagers are just feisty because they're just tired. Yeah. And like I just was watching and reading about some some malnourishment to a certain extent because my two older kids are fully in the Pop-Tart phase. Like that's what they want to eat is Pop-Tarts and I don't know, just all this processed, yes. that's what they gravitate for yes. be- because they need, they or they're craving those empty carbohydrates. And I'm looking at them going, I know you're exhausted because you haven't had any vitamins. You're not eating any fruits and vegetables. Yes, yes. But they're also managing their own food a little bit more and stuff like that. So I think those kind of basic things that we used to have maybe a little more control over <laughs> They, we don't necessarily as much anymore. And so they probably are a little, they need a little more sleep and they probably need more vitamins than they're getting. Does that not sound like the Israelites? (laughs) They were just eating manna. Yeah. And they had to like fetch their own water. They were tired. Ma'am, at some point, didn't that quail show up and they would get the birds too? Yeah, but they got to like defeather it and boil it. When you get tired of looking at them quail, you're like, get out of here. Oh my gosh. Listen, Israelites and middle schoolers malnourished and tired. That's what they are. Yeah. Hey, moms. I want to make sure you know about Canes and Community. If your child is on a sports team, your school is doing a fundraiser or a reading challenge, or your place of worship needs a donation, discounted meal, or free meal vouchers, you need to check out canesandcommunity.com. We at Gather Moms love Canes and what they do for the community. We have Giving Tuesday coming up, and we reached out to Canes, and they are donating an awesome basket as one of our giveaways. Just go to canesandcommunity.com, create a profile, and enter your request. Someone from their team will reach out to you, and they can even work with you to help get creative about what may be best for your organization and how they can support you. Now, back to the show. But I I think as a parent, if we can realize some of what's happening there, it actually gives us more um, compassion towards them. I know how I feel when I'm tired and hungry. Yes. And so when our teenagers are that way and they don't even have the maturity that we have, of course they're going to lash out. Yes. 
I think middle school is also a time when they say stupid things. Mm. They don't understand how their words hurt a mom and a dad. Yep. And I remember so many times they would say something to me and it would sting. Yeah. They had no idea. Yeah. And if I tried to tell them how much it hurt, it was not going to register. But they just say stupid things. Yes. They're trying out. They're trying to see how much they can push. I think the Israelites said stupid things to God. And I think God just continued to lean in and Uh love uh because that's who he was. So let's go back to our story in Exodus of the Israelites. Just a quick review. They had been rescued from slavery in Egypt. They had been brought to this promised land that God had told them about, this land of milk and honey where it was going to be lush and fertile and a new place for them to live and create families and generations. He declared that he would give this to them. It was a new opportunity. It's almost like our, our middle school students standing on the edge of that first day of middle school. You know, it's a new land. And so God tells Moses to pick one guy from each tribe to send into the land to spy it out. They go in and they see the amazingness of it. Yeah. It says that they bring back a thing of grapes Uh that's so big, they have to put it on a stick and carry it on their shoulders. Right. Which I want to see that. How big? You know? So they come back and they say, oh my gosh, guys, it is amazing. I mean, you're not going to believe how cool this land is, but there are giants in the land. Mm. There is no way that we can overtake it. We are scared. We cannot do it except two guys, Mm -hmm. Caleb and Joshua. And they come back and they say, yes, they're right. There are giants in the land, but our God is bigger and we can take it. And what's so, so sad is that the people lean towards the 10 that are fearful instead of the two that are trustworthy and they decide they're not going to go in. And the special, the Israelites have a special way of being uber dramatic when you read back in the Bible, like every time something goes wrong, they immediately say, we're going to die uh-huh. out here. It's immediately RIP, I'm dead. I mean, we yeah. jump straight from like, yeah. I'm hungry to I'm dead, uh-huh. um, which kind of sounds like a middle schooler. Yes. They're a little dramatic, yes. you know, when something happens. And so they say to Moses, oh my gosh, you've brought us out into this wilderness to die. We could have stayed in Egypt as slaves and it yes. would have been so much better. Which is crazy. Crazy. Yeah. Oh my goodness. You're showing this, you showed us this amazing land, but you're not even going to let us have it. You know, it's just this like huge temper tantrum and it's the final straw. God is like, I'm so done with you people. I cannot believe I've done all these miracles and you don't want to believe me or trust me. And so this is what he says to them in numbers 14, 28 through 33. He says, as surely as I live, declares the Lord, I will do to you the very thing I heard you say in this wilderness, your bodies will fall. Every one of you, 20 years old or more, who was counted in the census and who has grumbled against me, not one of you will enter the land I swore with uplifted hand to make your home, except Caleb and Joshua. Mm. And as for your children that you said would be taken as plunder, I will bring them in to enjoy the land that you have rejected. But as for you, your bodies will fall in this wilderness and your children will be shepherds here. For 40 years, suffering for your unfaithfulness until the last of your bodies lies in the wilderness. That's heavy. Womp, womp, womp. Okay, now stick with me here. Just, just go deep with me for a second. I promise that this is what the Lord told me. And I really believe for the time that we are living in, for such a time as this, moms and dads, this is so important, especially for our middle schoolers. It says in verse 33 that your children shall be shepherds in the wilderness 40 years and suffer for what? Your faithlessness. Mm. The parents were unwilling to trust God. Yeah. 
And because they wouldn't fight for the land, their children, the children still got the land, but they had an extra 38 years of wandering before they got it. Yeah. Literally, they were just going to have to make do until they could receive their blessing. The promise was still coming. God was still going to give it, but they would have to suffer in the meantime. Yeah. And I think we look sometimes today at teenagers that are acting a fool. We see college students that are lazy and entitled. We see young professionals who don't want to grow up, who just want to keep living that life. And we're like, oh my gosh, where did this come from? Why are they acting like this? But what if it goes back to our faithlessness as parents? Mm. What if it goes back to the fact that so often I choose comfort over calling? What if it goes back to me desiring to be friends with my kids instead of parents to my kids? Middle schoolers are entering a phase of life where they are going to push. They are going to say stupid things. They're going to look at the land of giants and say, I'm afraid I'm not going to do it. They're going to want to be independent and make choices that you know are not good choices. And you might think, well, let's just try it out. Go for it. See what happens. I would say don't. I would say this is the time that you lean in and you parent hard. Mm. You're not their friend. You will be their friend one day. I pray that when my kids are grown and have babies of their own, that we are friends. Yeah. But right now I'm their mom. Yeah. And nobody else is going to protect them the way that I am. Yeah. You can attest as a mom that the world is not out for the good of your kids. So honestly, anything the world says is a good idea, I would almost say is a bad idea. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Because they're not trying to make your kids better people. They're trying to buy their love and affection. Mm. And when they walk into that middle school surrounded by all these kids who come from different homes, who have different parents, who have different ways of life, it's going to feel like it's giants. Mm. It's going to feel like you are all alone. I have heard so many moms say this. I feel all alone, like I'm the only one standing there saying, I don't think this is a good idea. Right. But it seems like everybody else is doing it, and I just don't know how to say no. Because my kid's saying, Mom, I'm the only one. Man, boy, do I feel that. And Lydia and I, when we were just talking about um, this whole relationship thing, she said, she said, yeah, we were just all having a conversation about boyfriend, girlfriends and stuff. And I'm the only one in my group that's not allowed to date. Now, whether that's true or not, right. You know, and she laughed about it and she was fine with it. And she agrees with the conviction. So thankfully she's not pushing back against it yet, but it was definitely that situation. And it's, it can feel that way when we are pushing back against what the culture says is okay. You know, where we say, not sorry, brah, we're not doing social media. Right. Um, you know, no, you can't watch R rated movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, you can't be alone in a room with a boy at somebody's house. You know what? I, right. Like right. just very kind of simple things like that where we're just kind of going, uh, no. Um, and I think for me, girding myself with the truth that I can either believe in what God says to be true like those Israelite parents, and walk out that in faith, or I can succumb to what feels like too hard. Yes. Like those are my choices. Right. Either I, I claim the victory and the promises that he's given me, or I say, yeah, it's, it's too big, too hard. You just go figure it out, and I'll be here. Right, right. 
And what we want to say to you today, mamas, is please, please, please trust in the victory of God. Yeah. Do not succumb. If it gets too hard, would you message us on social media? Because Kate and I will stand right there with you and say, no, ma'am, you stand your ground. All the time. I'm so thankful for the ministry we get to do over text, over message. Yes. Because we will stand with you. You are not alone. Yeah. Do not believe that. You are not alone. So let me just share some things that I think highlight this phase and what we as parents need to see and embrace. Number one, middle school is called middle for a reason. Mm. It's the middle. Yeah. It's right between childhood and adolescence. Yeah. And and they may look like a bigger kid, but they may have the mind and the heart of a smaller kid. Yes. And so just because they look like they've got it all together doesn't mean in their heart they do. Yeah. So when they come back at you with, well, everybody gets to, and but I really want to, but you have just what Kate talked about, that spidey sense, listen to the Holy Spirit and say, no, I don't think we're going to do that. Yeah. Because it's middle for a reason. Uh-huh. They still need the guidance of mom and dad. Number two, tackle the hard topics. Don't shy away from the stuff that, that you don't even know how to answer, yeah. right? Yeah. Middle schoolers can ask really hard questions. Uh-huh. Um, abortion, uh-huh. politics, war, racism, critical race theory. Gender issues. Gender issues. Uh-huh. And it can be really difficult to know what to say. And you know what? It's okay to say to your middle schooler, I don't know. And I think it's also okay to just ask them questions. You know, you talked about like my dad did that too, where he would just talk at me. I think one of the things that's helped in our relationship, because I just got that wisdom from, this is not something I came up with. I got that wisdom early on of like, ask them questions. You know, they come and say, hey, you know, there's this transgender kid in my class. What do we believe about that? Okay, well, tell me more. Tell me more about the kid. Why do you think they're transgender? Okay, we talk about that. Okay, what do you think? How do you feel like you should treat that person? That's right. And honestly, just keep throwing it back on them. I don't think that we need to necessarily, it's, it actually, as they're developing in this stage of their development, kind of the least helpful thing for us to do is to answer it for them and just throw the answer back. They need to start taking ownership of their own beliefs and how they think about things. We need to be a safe place for them to have that dialogue and then to offer some gentle correction when they're when they're not seeing it correctly. And I do think that they're going to have ideas that are not biblical yes. because of the environment they're for sure, in. For sure. So when they push back with those questions and you see it going in a worldly direction as their parent, it's okay to say, wait a second, yeah. let's think about that. Yes. Or you know what? Let's pull out the Bible. What does it say? Yes. Because you have to make sure that as they're trying to own their own beliefs, that we're not reinforcing the idea, well, if, if you feel like that, it's okay. Right. right. What is true? Yes. What is true? And we're so excited in the next couple of weeks, we're going to have some guests on the podcast that are going to help us figure out how to per- give that truth to our kids in a way that they can receive it. Exactly. Number three, limit social media. Yeah. So I read this in an article and I thought it was so good. I'm going to attach the article in the show notes. Laura Hudgens says, social media is a dangerous weapon in the hands of middle schoolers. Mm. This is an age when kids are trying to establish a social pecking order. Unfortunately, there's no quicker way to take someone down a few pegs than to trash them on social media. At this age, even good kids can lack the empathy and maturity to realize how damaging a mean post can be. I love that she said good kids because here's what happens as a mom. We think my kid's a good kid. Yeah. My kid would never. Yeah. Oh, I'm not going to worry about that. They'll make the right choice. Uh-huh. 
even good kids at this age are immature in their thinking and reasoning. Think how many times by the grace of God, the Holy Spirit has stopped you from posting something completely terrible or commenting something terrible or texting something terrible. Yes. You know? Yes. I We struggle with that too. And we have impulse control this side of 30 years old. That's right. At As a 11, 12, 13 year old, oh my gosh, they don't have a worldview that can stop them from doing those kind of things and realizing the long-term implications of how it affects not only their lives, but the lives of the people that they're posting about. Exactly. And I think as parents, when something like that happens where maybe they make a mistake and they do something foolish, that is our opportunity to step in and hold them and say, let's confess that we just made a poor choice. Yeah. But guess what? It's not the end of the world. Because at this point, what Kate and I have said, it's low risk, guys. This is the time when we want them to mess up under our protection so that we can come in and help them stand back up. Because when they're 35, 45, 55, I can't do that anymore. And can we just say, can we stop here and just say, don't be surprised when they mess up. They are going to mess up. Mm -hmm. Practice your poker face. Yes. Get very good at lowering your reaction. Yes. Yes. <laughs> because I think this is when we start preparing for all the dumb stuff they're going to do in high school that's going to be like really big and dumb. And that this is the time to start training your face to be chill. That's right. And lowering your blood pressure, <laughs> managing your own heart rate so that when you do read a text, you know, I, honestly, I read my kids text. I check their phones yep. regularly. Yes. And I have come across stuff and I have to, it actually even just happened. And Jeremy was like, well, do we need to go confront the kid? And I said, no, I'm not ready. I need to walk and pray. Yes. And then when we're ready, yes. we can have the discussion. Yes. We have got, we cannot come in there hot and fly off the handle and go nuclear. No. Cause then they're not going to come to us anymore. And they're, you know, then we become not a safe place. I love what you just said about, I don't have to do it right now. I can walk and pray first. Sometimes as a parent, you feel like if I don't say it now, I'm going to miss the moment. Yeah. No, maybe you need the Holy Spirit to help you with the moment first (laughs) before you go in there. Yes. Um, And I think, honestly, what you're modeling to your kids is the beauty of accountability. Mm. That when you have somebody in your life that loves Jesus and loves you, that they can call you to account for what's happened but then also cheer you on as you get back up and go again. And moms, it's such a gift to be able to be that to our kids, to be the parent instead of the friend, because one day when they do hit a really hard patch, if you've never been that that accountability, that loving, safe place, what if they don't come back to you yeah. to ask for your help? Yeah. Where else are they going to go? Yeah. And here's a caveat. You could do everything right and they could still not come to you. Let's just put that out there. So don't beat yourself up if that happens because that is a very real possibility. But as much as we can, we want to try and have our responses be when when we look at the Bible and we see Jesus, he was grace and truth. Grace and truth. And we want to be those things for our children. That's right. Last thing, keep faith a priority and a habit. Mm. So one of the things that, and Kate and I both know this so well, is it gets so busy Mm -hmm. that it becomes so much more intentional to have faith conversations. Mm -hmm. And I don't don't know if this is going to offend anybody and go to church. Because it's so easy to not go. 
Yes. Because you're too busy. You're too tired. And what happens is you miss that habit of Sabbath and worship. And I believe that churches today offer so many more opportunities for our kids to to embrace God and to in, interact with Him. Wednesday night services, camp, fall retreats, discipleship groups, small groups. Serving. Serving. Yeah. They are interacting with God in so many different ways. Yeah. But... I do believe that God wants you to be in the local church uh-huh. and to worship with your family. Yeah. And when you're allowing a sport or an activity or just we're tired to come in the way of you making going to church a habit with your family, it may not seem like a big deal now, but I believe that it will become a big deal. I agree. And I do think this is a hard thing for us to say, but I do think it's a real truth. Um, but I think every day when we make choices to, you know, not go to church because they're playing a sport or whatever, I think we're making, we're putting votes in for who our family will become. Mm-hmm. And we can either vote, hey, we're going to be a family that um, stands strong on our faith, that chooses God, and put votes into that category. Or we're going to put votes into, I want my kid to be good at a sport. I want them to be popular. I don't want them to miss hanging out with this certain friend group. Right. And and so we have to make a choice. Well, and I think sometimes what I've heard most from teenage parents in this phase is my kid doesn't like church. Yeah. My kid can't find a group to go to. Yeah. My kid doesn't feel comfortable. Very real. And it's very easy as a parent to go, oh, well, I don't want to make my kid exactly. uncomfortable. Yeah. Okay, yeah. we just, we won't go. Yeah. Listen, let's try again. Uh-huh. <laughs> let's find another group. Uh-huh. Let's switch services Yep. because my kid has more friends in another service. You know what? That may mean you don't get to go to your best friend's group. Yep. But when you can find a place and you say to your kid, this is important enough to me that we're going to work at it, it shows them just what Kate said. We're putting votes into what our family is going to become. Yeah, that's great. We stand with you, Mama. Make the effort. Mm. So things your middle schooler needs to hear from you in this season. Number one, you are not a burden to me. Mm. I know it's hard. Yeah. I know we fight a lot. Yeah. I know I'm tired because I'm taking you to all the places, but you are not a burden to me. I love that. I'm excited to be with you in this season of life. Something we say in our house is, I'm on your team. I'm on your team. Exactly. And so they know you're not doing this alone. You're not a burden. I'm on your team. And it's my joy to be on my your team. My joy. Also say this, I'm not going anywhere. Mm. Even if you tell me you hate me. <laughs> yeah. Even if you tell me I'm the most uncool mom in the entire world. I am not going anywhere. I am your safe place, and I will always be here for you. So push as hard as you want, but I'm not going anywhere. Say to them, I believe in you. When they don't make the team, when they don't get an A, when they don't have a boyfriend, when they don't fill in the blank, but I believe in you. Mm -hmm. And it's all right if you aren't successful in this area. That's not what makes me want to call you my own. Yeah. I call you my own because God gave you to me and you're mine. Yeah. So I believe in you Mm. and let's go again. What else can we try? What can we work on? So many kids are going to try out for something in middle school and not make it the first time, but maybe make it the next time Mm. or they're going to make it the first time and they're not going to make it the next time because everybody is growing in different ways. So instead of saying, Oh, I guess that's it. We're done. No, you're not. No, you're not. I believe in you. Last thing, God loves you. Let go of the worldly affections for all the other things that you think they need to have in their life in order to be loved and accepted and remind them that the only thing they need is God's love. Mm. 
and they don't have to earn it. He's already given it to them. Beautiful. Say those things to your kids. Okay, the last thing, because one of the parts of this whole scripture passage that we just talked about with the Israelites and the spies is what God says about Caleb. Yeah. And I know you know this because you've got a Caleb in your family. Yes. Numbers 14, 24 says, God says, but because my servant Caleb has a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly, I will bring him into the land he went to and his descendants will inherit it. Mm-hmm. Two things, mamas, a different spirit. Mm-hmm. Can I just say to you right now that if your kid is different, mm-hmm. if they feel attacked, mm-hmm. if they feel like nobody understands them, if they feel like they're the only kid with faith in their school, if they feel like I'm the only kid that can't date, have social media, go to the dance, have a sleepover, that different spirit might be God saying to them, because I have a bigger purpose for you. Mm-hmm. And instead of feeling like they're going to miss out, show them all the things they're gaining mm-hmm. by having that spirit of faith. That's right. The other thing he says is that Caleb follows me wholeheartedly or fully. I don't know if kids know how to do this right now, mom. They're so confused. They're so overwhelmed and bombarded. They're going to start and stop so many things that the consistency on their part is going to be difficult. And that's where we as moms can step in and be that for them. Yeah, I feel like uh, we're actually navigating some things with uh, our high schooler. And I so want God to follow him with his whole heart that I'm making choices in my own life of how I can follow God with my whole heart so that I have room to fight for him in prayer, so that I have room to model for him obedience in the word. So honestly, what that looked like for me is I deleted all entertainment apps off my phone. That meant Netflix went away. That meant every streaming, <laughs> there's a lot of them. <laughs> they all, they all, and I cried when I took them off. And I really was like, how... How, what am I going to do with the silence? And I'm seeing God that he did that to prepare me for what I needed. And so that there's, that my heart was ready. And then my middle schooler found out that I did and she deleted, she just watches Disney plus, but she deleted it. So we've each been watching the chosen again, watching through the whole series. Anyway, I just want to say that, They may not be ready to follow with their whole heart, but we can make that choice and model it for them. And this is where I think it stings a little bit as a mom because you kind of get to that place in middle school where you're like, oh, I'm a little more free. Yeah. They can take care of themselves. And and we we have the tendency to want to coast. Yeah. And I just want to say to you, this is not the time. They need you so much more than they even know. Mm. And what Kate said about when they can't be consistent, I can. Mama, you are older. Mm -hmm. You are wiser. You may not have, um, you may not have been a Christian that long, but you can ask the Holy Spirit to grow you in ways that your kid needs Mm -hmm. in anticipation for what's coming. And so even though it feels a little bit like, ah, and there are days where you're going to be like, I'm so tired of this. I'm so tired of being compassionate and (laughs) kind and listening. I'm so tired of checking their grades and Uh telling them no and making food they don't eat and Uh going to the grocery store. Yes, Kate and I know that well. But when you talk to a mom that's on the other side and she tells you the fruit that it bore in her family. Yeah. 
because of her willingness to let go of the things that what I would say for the Israelites were faithlessness uh-huh. because they wanted comfort and ease uh-huh. and they wanted the victory handed to them. Yeah. And instead look out at that promised land, which mom, that promised land for your kids is uh, the next 40 years of their life. Mm. They're not, they're actually going to be adults longer than their teenagers. So what we're doing right now is we're setting them up for a joy in adulthood as parents that we can't see yet. And it's hard and you want to quit, but don't, Yeah, don't do it. Yeah. Be like Caleb, have a different spirit, be fully devoted to the Lord. And like Kate said, be ready to fight for your kid. Yeah. Love it. We are so thankful that you were here. I pray that something that we talked about today connects with you. If you're not there yet, I pray that it gives you a little tick in your spirit to go back to the Lord and begin praying even now for what's coming. And I pray more than anything that your faith is strengthened because as you look ahead in your kids' lives and you see giants, would you just know that God has already given you the victory? Beautiful. We love you, moms. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. And hey, we are so thankful to be sponsored this episode by Cane's. And we just absolutely love Cane's toast. And so... Some of us miss it more than others. Yes. (laughs) My kids still get it, and I just look longingly at that beautiful buttered piece of Texas toast. So this episode, we want to toast to something very good happening in our lives. We know that people have mixed opinions about Daylight Savings Time. They do. But Rebecca and I would like to toast Daylight Savings Time. This is my favorite one. This is the good the one. The fall back. We're both waking up earlier. Yes. It's fine that it's dark at 6 p.m. I Let's just stay home. I'm ready for bed. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I can go to bed earlier. That is totally fine in my life. So our toast today is to Daylight Savings Time.